Now ripped over to Austin Watson on the left wing board. He gives it back to Ellis. And on to the right side. Backhanded out by Yossi. Brought into the zone. Going to be a penalty call here. Delay penalty. But they score! Johansson goes out to Arvidsson. Arvidsson in across the line. Down the right side. And a shot and a score by Yarncrook. Kelly Yarncrook puts it away. And the Predators score in the last minute of the second period to make it 2-zip. Now Smith with the feed for Benino. Benino to center. Down the left wing ahead of Grimaldi. Grimaldi goes down to play it behind the net. Right wing corner. Benino. Half wall. Right in front for Smith. He scores. Craig Smith got the right place at the right time. 3-0 Nashville. Here is Suter towards Zucker. Stopped at the line by Eckholm. Sending in Colton Sissons. Sissons, the backhander, he scores! Colton Sissons starts the traffic jam in front of Wendy's. Time runs out on this one as Pecorine has his 56th career shutout, his fifth against Minnesota. Predators win it 4 nothing. Another beer game for the Nashville Predators. Welcome to the show, Friday edition, Morning Drive. My name is uh, Brayden Gall, and his name is Derek Mason. Munson, one name, Munson, is in the back producing. Listen, I know you probably hate that that's the one name you're going to get, even though it is your last name, so you should be proud of that. Like, no, I, don't, I don't really care. Like I hate, I hate my last name. I, I hate Gall. Like, as a last name, I hate it. Um, but you are going to probably end up being a one-name producer, which makes you one of the great producers of all yeah. time, um, even if... Even if Munson is not exactly the sexiest one name. Yeah, it's, not. it's not like Cher or you know, he, Pac. You can make it sexy. <laughs> Munson. 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 Just don't, I mean. Double M, baby. There's a, there's a lot of good about one name, like individuals. Yes. Um, and a lot of weirdness, too, yeah, probably. It's, it's, you know, the one name people are just like, a lot of them are iconic. Can, well, can you make Gall sound cool? <clears throat> Gall. Yeah, I don't even think that was good. <laughs> even my wife doesn't like your last name. Gall. Yeah, it's bad. It's a bad name. It's a bad Gall. name. You know who's not bad? The Nashville Predators. 4 nothing win last night. Uh, Nick is not with us today. He is still alive um, under the weather taking care of some kids today. So we'll, uh, we'll have him back on Monday. So uh, I think there was a couple of rants, though, we're not going to get, which I'm kind of upset about mm-hmm. because I think there was a rant on, like, Arkansas and, like, a rant on a couple other things. And, like, I like when there's rants planned. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. that. That's exciting radio, and I guess we'll have to wait until Monday to hear his Arkansas-Alabama take. I don't think he's going to care at that point. Yeah, I, with yeah. Arkansas at. I don't think so either. Preds win four nothing last night, and you know, Mace, they, they got off to a awful start. The first period was absolutely terrible, um, but Pecorine was magical again. Now six zero and one twenty six saves for him last night. The second best start in franchise history by a goaltender, uh, Thomas Vokum, seven zero and one in two thousand and five and six. It's his fifty sixth career shutout. Um, just complete domination in the second and third period, and and this team is rolling once again. And even when they start slowly, they show us that they can finish strong. Four goals in the final two periods, uh, and Craig Smith. Craig Smith got himself Exciting. his first his first goal of the season. Yeah, this team. Um, you know. The, Sometimes I, I think that's what happens to um, you know really good teams. You 
and and <clears throat> I think this is the this is what they're going to have to overcome um, as they continue to move forward. Uh, the Minnesota Wild coming in with three and six, I believe, um, and you know obviously the Predators. They had a much better record. They were five. Were they five, three, and one? Five, three. Now yeah. six, three, and one. Six, yeah. three, and one. Um, so, and this is what I talk about. This is what I talk about. Playing to your standard and not the standard of the, of the individuals or, you know, team that you're playing. And they played to the standard of the Minnesota Wild in the first period. And then finally, you know, after they go in for intermission, come back out, then finally, you know, either Lobby says something in, a, in, in the locker room or someone says something in the locker room, and it's like, okay, let's start playing now. Let's let's play our standard. Yeah. And they came back out, and and you saw what happened. Um, two goals in the second, and then after the second period of intermission, two more goals. Um, this team is just as as long as Pecorine oh man, continues to play the way he's playing. Yep. And when Soros finally kind of gets in his groove, um. Uh, it's not going to be many teams that can get that can go toe to toe with the Nashville Predators, at least not in scoring. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I do think there's an interesting way to look at the first period, though, and and there is you you can look at it in a different way because you mentioned Minnesota is not Minnesota was by and large picked to be the last place team in the Central. They were picked to be the worst team clearly in a division where everyone was sort of good. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was pe- kind of viewed as pretty even. All teams had a chance to win the division, except for Minnesota. Minnesota is supposed to be the worst team in the division. Th- this was Peter Laviolette yesterday during the interview, coffee with the coach. Um, we asked him sort of what was the most unexpected aspect of his team so far to date. And, you know, obviously, without surprise, he went to the defense. I mean, we spend a lot of our time, for, I think for five years, we're, five years we might have been the number one goals against team in the league. On a, on a cumulative five years. So for us to be giving up what we're giving up right now and the quality of the looks, that, that's what's getting addressed inside of our locker room. We work on the power play. We work on the penalty kill. Uh, we run through our drills. We run through our offensive scheme. Where we're spending our time right now is trying to check off the boxes to make sure that we're layered properly throughout the ice so that we can be a good defensive team as well. So this isn't the, I wouldn't say that this is the norm for our team. Like I said, the last five Five years on a cumulative average, it's been fairly tight. We've gotten good goaltending, but we've supported our goalies, I think, in a better manner than we have to start the season. So I've always said that there's things that happen through the course of the year, the start of a year, the middle of the year, the end of the year, and you're trying to work on those and figure them out. Uh, It doesn't go unaddressed, and we're looking to, to tighten things up a little bit. And in that commentary, he'd also mentioned that they were giving up far too many high danger chances. And I'm not. This is not a rain on a four four nothing win parade. This is a hey, we got to call it like we see it, right? And uh-huh. and if they're playing the, the the high danger chances, the shots on goal, every single metric on the planet said that the Nashville Predators got roasted in the first period last night. Uh, they they answered. They came uh-huh. back. We talked about it. They're great in the second period. Great in the third period. Huge win. Pekka was spectacular. Pekka saved their bacon in the first period, though. And if that's not Minnesota, that's the difference, right? Like if that's if that's one of the better teams uh-huh. in the NHL. Maybe you're down two nothing again going yeah. into the second period. So Peter Laviolette and his coaching staff knows they've got to be better on the defensive end of the ice. They're giving up too many high danger chances. That was again the case last night, and Pekka saved them in the first period. Now we can always believe in this team to come back and score. Uh-huh. That, that's the beauty of this team. But 
they 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 have I guarantee you in a four nothing win, Peter will still have something to show his team on tape and say, look, we we've got to be better than this in the first period because if that if that's a really good team we're playing, it's probably not nothing nothing going into the second period. No, you're probably down once again. Uh, and that's a familiar, you know, setting, so to speak, for the Nashville Predators, starting off slow and then all of a sudden um, they got to kick it into gear and everybody start going, scoring goals. Um, you know, this team has for so long um, their foundation. And, in, in, you know, I like to, whether it be football or whatnot, you talk about the foundation of a team. You talk about how they were made, the pillars of their team, how they were constructed, um, the foundation. This was a defensive team. And for so long with Trotsy, they defense first, defense first, and then the scoring took a back seat. Um, and higher in lobby, it was, okay, we got to sort of get out of that mindset. We got to start scoring points. We have the defense. Now we got to find points. We got to find people that can score points. We got to put an offense in that's more so 21st century um, type of offense. Well, they've done that, and they've consistently done that over the last course of, of the last four or five years Lobby's been here. Um, but now it seems like the further, the more and more they're picking up scoring, the further and further away they're getting away yeah. from their defense. Well, and and I'm not, not like, saying it's not correctable. Well, and it's not even like they're not even hiding it. Like, exactly. All, Absolutely. all summer they're like, listen, we've got to get better at scoring. Absolutely. Like, we're, we're trading PK mm-hmm. and we're going to sign Duchesne because we've got to get better at scoring. Exactly. Like it's not like they're – Like they're, they're doing a covert like, <laughs> right. Shh, like, be quiet, be quiet, everybody. We're, 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 we're trying to shift from <laughs> defensive hockey to offense. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. And listen, what's cool about last night, not only Pekka, 56th career shutout, having a great start, one of the best, if not, again, probably the second best start to a season in Predators history. But Mika Salamaki gets on the goal, gets on the board early. Then Callie Yarncrook gets on the board in the second. Craig Smith, really good to see him get on the board. He needs to start scoring goals because they, they depend on him to get 20 goals in a season. And then Colton Sissons picked up his fourth goal of the year. Anything, anything you notice about those four names? Not one of those dudes is one of the big stars. And so when they can, when they can get scoring from those guys, they're, they're in good shape and Still need to correct some defensive issues in the first period. They did that in the second and third period. Got themselves a W. Back on the ice against Tampa Bay on Saturday. Pre-game at 5. Puck drop at 6. The only team in the NHL scoring more goals than them right now? The Washington Capitals. The only team that scored more goals than the Predators 42 so far this season. So John Crow got his goal back. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and he's he, he was in a, a, a pretty rough scoring slump for a while. Uh-huh. Going back to last year, he has now broken through on that as well. You will hear from Callie Yarncroke when we come back in just a few minutes. So um, Nick Kale again, a little under the weather today, taking care of the family. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll still have some gambling picks, right? In the final hour. We'll still do some, um, of, yeah, do some of that. We still have uh, Lee Sterling coming up from Paramount sports in hour number three, the entire seven o'clock hour dedicated to the Tennessee Titans. So we will get to the Tennessee Titans game against the Tampa Bay Bucks coming up. Uh, we've also got Josh Ward. We'll talk a lot of SEC involves as well. But when we come back, you'll hear from Callie Yarncroke, and we'll wrap up the Preds conversation from last night. Four nothing win over the Minnesota Wild. This is Morning Drive. We'll be right back here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Derek Mason, Braden Gall, Munson producing. Nick Hale not, not out. Not in today. He'll be back on Monday. I'm sure I'll have plenty, plenty of Ryan Tannehill takes for you guys. Uh, Preds win 4 nothing last night. Now, let me ask you guys, before we listen to Callie Yarncroke speaking with Chase McCabe following the win, 
The question I have for you guys is, will Chase McCabe call Callie Yarncroke Yarny in this interview? Oh, no. Uh, I, don't I don't think, think he does either. I, don't, I, don't think I think he's he's Have you listened his... to it, Marquise? No, I haven't, actually. Okay. Oh, cool. I, I think he learned his lesson. I think he has, too. I think plus, you guys bullied him enough to not, to not do that anymore. Yeah. We're going to shame I'm him. I'm hoping he We're going to shame him into it no matter what. Uh, no, Preds win 4 nothing last night. Callie Yarncroke, the second goal in the second period to go up 2 nothing. Uh And uh, Chase McCabe, our very own Maccababe, caught up with Callie Yarncroke after the game. Let's start with your goaltender tonight. His fifth shutout in his career over the Minnesota Wild, 56 overall. Uh, obviously feels pretty good to have him back there. Yeah, he was outstanding today. Uh, I think he's been unbelievable every game he, he played this, this this season, and you know he's just great back there. And then for you, you've uh, fit well with the Johansson line and working with Victor and, and Ryan. You score again tonight. Seems like that chemistry is really working for you guys. Yeah, I mean... I don't think we played that great for the last last couple of games. I think we can we can do more, but uh, you know at least we we've been getting a couple of goals, and you know we just gotta keep on working hard. Offensively, though, the last two games ten to one over your opponents. I, I know that this season the offense has really been clicking, but uh, once again tonight it seems like the defense stepped up too. Yeah, I mean after that we weren't happy, obviously, about the, that first first period I think we got outplayed a little bit and uh, you know we got better in the in the second period oh, wow. a little better in the third and you know we could we could seal the deal what does it say though about this team when you you say things like that that the first period you guys weren't happy with it you're able to adjust during the intermissions and then bounce back yeah I mean I mean today we got we got pecs in the in the in the first period period who, who saved us but I mean for for next game we you know we got to play good for for 60 to, to get another win on on, on Saturday especially, especially against a team like Tampa there's Callie Yarncroke, of course. They play Tampa. The Preds will be back on the ice against Tampa. Pregame at five, puck drop at six on Saturday night. Of course, right here on ESPN 1025. He didn't even mention his name. That's good. That, that was yeah. good. He I, went listen, nameless. Callie gets like a A plus because he scored a goal and then did a post game interview. So he gets an A plus. Yeah. Um, Chase gets Chase, an A. He's Chase like, gets I an can't a. call him his nickname if I don't say his name at all. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he think he purposely went in. <laughs> And say, you know, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say his name. Because if I say his name, I'm going to say Yarny. Yeah. I wonder if that's part of the strategy now. I also like how we're breaking down Chase's performance more than what Callie had to say we'll in the, never in the know actual what interview. player he's talking to at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, Yarncrook there, of course, with some really, literally, I mean, obviously complimentary points towards uh, Pecorine. But also, again, the defense. Listen, we, we talked a little bit about the defense in the first period. I don't want to miss the forest through the trees. They did mm-hmm. lock down. In the second and third period, they played much better hockey. So, again, just a microcosm of sort of the season there is a terrible first period defensively, great offense, complete game, good goaltending in the second and third period. Sort of tells you exactly what you need to know about where this team is at right now. 6-3-1, second place in the Central Division. Uh, and, of course, one of the highest scoring teams is not the highest scoring team in the NHL. Preds fans, Smashville Live returns this Wednesday, hosted by, that's right, this guy. Live from Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville, located uh, at 1003 Russell Street from 7 to 8 p.m. That's right off of Five Points there, right there on 10th and Russell, which like used to be literally my address. This week's guests are, do we have a drum roll? Can you give me a drum roll, D? Give me, give me like a... 
Coming up this week, Ryan Johansson, the $8 million man, and Colton Sissons, one of my favorite players. The first 50 people will have an opportunity to get an autograph or picture. Again, that's Ryan Johansson, Colton Sissons, coming up on Smashville Live next week on Wednesday. Fans can register to win two tickets to an upcoming Preds home game. Smashville Live is brought to you, of course, by New Amsterdam Vodka, Spring Hill Heating and Cooling, and Red Spirits and Wine. You can't Pre- just say people are your favorite players, man. you got to interview these guys week oh, I can't, in, week out. I can't. How about, can I, okay, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. As a media member, who's, my job is to be objective, right, to look at people, because clearly I love Marcus Mariota, um, mm-hmm. am, am I not allowed to nope. enjoy watching individual players more than other players, just because, not for any personal reason, but just like, I just enjoy watching you that guy? You can, but you can't make it known. Yeah, I can't, I can't say, say that I love yeah. watching Jose Altuve play baseball? Yeah, if you know you're going to interview them, interview them, you can't say yes, my favorite player. But this is Smashville Live. I know, I know but still, you saying. can't make it. Next but this is like a fan Next time show, you know Kyle Turris, he's going to yeah. be like, nah, man, go talk to Colton. I am yeah, definitely exactly. yeah, but, but Kyle Turris is a Yankees fan. So no, but it doesn't matter. Like you know, when Vic, you have Arvey on, he's going to say, go talk to him. I'm not your favorite his player. His name is Arvidsson. Well, yeah, I can't call him Arvidsson. <laughs> yeah, Arvidsson. Just broke the rule, <laughs> yeah. man. Just Arvidsson, you're right. He's going to say, no, go talk to him. Yeah, I'm no, not. Go talk to Colton yeah. Sissons, man. Okay. We don't want to talk to you no more. Yeah. All right. You can't say it. You're going to have Colton Sissons. Like, like, so you're going to have everybody so mad at you here, now. I can't sit here and say, man, I really enjoy Colton Sissons' game professionally, objectively. I enjoy his game. I like now the way he that. plays. You can say that, but you can't say he, he's your favorite player. He's, <laughs> he's one of my favorite no, players no, you, to watch. No, I can't uh, say that? No, uh-uh. Just, that, so I now enjoy I'm, watching so them all. I need to put a dollar in the jar. I, yeah, I enjoy watching them all. I enjoy Some watching them all. Yeah. And Colton Sissons is also And you can also put I mean, some emphasis on it. Most I of them I do enjoy watching. watching them all. Um, as, no, you just got to say I enjoy watching them all. Because <laughs> I was trying. about to give that. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying. So now I'm you're trying to help Colton, you out. <laughs> now Colton Sissons is going to be on every week of Smashville Live only because no other player is going to want to talk exactly. to you. Exactly. <laughs> I love you, Joey. I love you, Joey. <laughs> You gotta say you love everybody every week. You do <laughs> exactly. smash for love. I do. I mean, listen. I enjoy watching them play. I just enjoy Colton Sisson's game on the ice. On the ice, I enjoy his game. It's a it's a full length of the ice game. He plays great defense. He's a great two way player. Kills penalties. Can, he scored his fourth goal of the season last night. He's off to a great start. I just think his game. Like you talk about Arvidsson all the time, and mm-hmm. and sort of the DNA inside his body. Just that, that we talked about yesterday. The bar that he plays at. Is just like he never's below that bar, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's a hundred and uh, whatever percentage is you're allowed to go to now. Can just I go, 100, just can 100. I do 180? No, just 100. Just 100. No, just 100 He's at 100 yeah. max at, at on every shift. Colton Sissons is one of the one of the guys that's in that in that too. And that's not a knock on the other guys. That's just you know every single shift you're going to get peak Colton Sissons, and I enjoy guys, that as a as a hockey guys, fan. The other guys are going to take it. Take offense to it. You know, how, know. See, you know how players are. Why y'all keep you know trying to get me in trouble are. this morning? You know? See, I can say that I can say that about Arvidsson because I'm, I'm the likelihood of me interviewing Arvidsson or doing a show with Arvidsson is very slim. Are you suggesting so you're I not going to host Smash Show Live? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I can say Arvidsson, but listen, you, yeah, you can't say. Listen, <laughs> I, I love uh, this show is fantastic. Again, uh, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House in East Nashville next week at si- seven o'clock. Ryan Johansson, I love Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons. Eh, he's all right. Uh, both those two guys will be with us uh, on Wednesday, so make sure you come out. Uh, first 50 people get autographs and all kinds of good stuff. So uh, Smashville Live players on Friday night. And it's in my neighborhood, so I might bring the girls and, and, and see what – see, there's a, there's a cool playground right there. Mm-hmm. Got good pizza. The Pick girls scooter. love the 
Girls love pizza. You know, I, I was just about to say. I'm not taking a scooter with a my scooter. children. No, no. no uh, you know what? You know why I said I've that? I've seen a woman no, I with saw, like a newborn. Yes, I saw someone um, last week because it was nice last week. So last week, uh, went to grab, to buy, grab a bite to eat and was um, downtown. Um, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm eating outside and I'm just watching this couple. I could tell they were, they were tourists. I can tell that. So I'm just watching them. It's I'm like a there, yeah, in this city. I'm watching them. And I'm thinking like, I know they're not. It's three of them. And it's, and it's a little girl. And they're looking at these scooters. I'm thinking like, I know they're not about to get on these scooters. How how old was the girl? The like, girl like was the about two, three, oh, okay. maybe. Okay. And That's about five minutes later, I see the wife get on one scooter. And I see the dad. And he puts the girl on the scooter in front of him. Like standing? Her, yeah, stand her up on it, and then he gets on with it. I said, how dumb can you be? How dumb can you be as now, a parent? Now, was this I – mean, there's, no, not, there's, not, even a, there's yeah. not even a silver lining here, yeah. but at least was it like – was it during the day where it's light out and he's clearly sober? Yes, but okay, it was a bunch sad. of traffic. It was a bunch of people out so walking, yeah. and it was a bunch of traffic. I'm like, what are you doing? Just walk. No, I walked out of the Preds uh, Pro Shop one time, and this was probably like a year and a half ago, like mm-hmm. during the peak scooter controversy – and um, right down, right there on Predator's Way, Fifth Avenue, or whatever, uh-huh. right there by the Walk of Fame Park, alongside Bridgestone, and like a couple goes, a couple goes by, mm-hmm. like a guy and a girl that are, I would say, like fairly young, like mm-hmm. I'd say, like mid twenties, late twenties, um, looked like a young married couple, and they go by, and I had to do it like a double take because mm-hmm. she's got like the baby carrier, you know, on her chest, you know, mm-hmm. you can like, you can just like, just like slap slide that, baby, slap yeah. that, slap, <laughs> slap that baby right in that carrier and just go about your business. Well, I, dude, I've walked around in, in my neighborhood mm-hmm. when when little babies are young and they're crying. You'll do anything. Exactly. I'll strap that baby to my chest and walk around my hood. I don't care. <laughs> and and but she's on a scooter with a That's baby. Dumb, like if she falls, like if she falls and she goes falls and goes forward, she's going to crush that baby. Yeah. People don't ride with your children on scooters. God, don't be a dummy. There's certain things that we shouldn't have to Is that put too much to ask? On, but yeah. it, I know it's not too much to ask. People are just stupid. God, don't do that. Because you're the same person. Oh, it never happened to me, and then it ended up happening to you. And then you end up, you feel so bad about yourself. Don't do, don't think. Do like Herm, Herm says. Don't press Exactly. <laughs> Don't get on the scooter when you have a baby. Okay? Think. Preds win 4 nothing last night over the Minnesota Wild. Back on the ice again at Tampa Bay Saturday. Uh, tomorrow night, that is 5 p.m. pregame, 6 p.m. puck drop. I, I would much rather them play Eastern Conference teams during the week. I like the early start times during the week because then we have to get up early in the morning. So mm-hmm. I'd much if they can play all their West Coast games on Fridays and Saturdays and then play all their East Coast games on during the week, that'd be great. If you guys could work on that for us. Uh, oh, National Predators, that'd be great. And and the entire NHL, that'd be wonderful. Uh, all right, we'll switch gears. Huge win last night, of course. Pecorine, 50, 56th shutout of his career. Now 6-0-1 on the season. Second best start for a Predators goaltender ever. When we come back, Josh Ward, the Tennessee Vols, on the field against South Carolina at Neyland Stadium. An underdog at home, a huge game for Josh Ward. We'll get to him when we come back right here on Morning Drive. Morning Drive, Derek Mason, Braden Gall, Munson producing... Nick Kale out. We'll be back on Monday taking care of the, the sick kiddos there. Uh, Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville joining us here on the show. Josh, it looks like Jarrett Garantano is going to start potentially. At least that's the tea leaves and the, 
the writing on the wall and all the other palm reading I've been doing, and but that J.T. Shrout's going to play as well. What do you make of the decision by Jeremy Pruitt to do that, if in fact that is the decision? Do we, do we have Josh? Thank you, Josh. Yes, yes, that's yeah, my hey, thought. Yeah, hey, my good fault. morning, guys. Um, morning. I would say if, if they go with Jared Antano, it's because they look at what he has done well, and that is overall run the offense the way that the coaches want. They know that he understands what they're asking him to do. He's clearly made mistakes, uh, not just the goal line play. He's missed some throws. I, I don't have to go through all the, the issues that have been there. He lost his starting job with Brian Maurer. But there is, there's probably a greater level of trust with Garantano than there is with J.T. Shrout. With Shrout, there's the unknown, which can also, uh, especially on the fan side, be exciting because he has the arm and you want to see what he can do. He just has almost no experience, and that's the fear. Uh, it, it seems like there's a really good chance we see both quarterbacks, and Jeremy Pruitt has talked about giving Shrout a real opportunity this week. So we'll see. Uh, Pruitt has done a good job, I would say, at least of keeping things uh, pretty quiet uh, within the building and what their plans are. And, and that's why I would say I think there's a, a fair chance we see both quarterbacks. Heck, in every SEC game this season, we've seen at least two quarterbacks for Tennessee. Now, with the way that they played against Alabama, and, 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 and I understand Tua um, leaving the game early, and that probably had a lot to do with um, UT being able to stay in the game the way they did to a point where they could have been down one score had that you know debacle not happened. Um, this game this week, um, do you see any any improvement, one? And then is this South Carolina game a must-win? Because after that, their schedule is not as hard, but if they don't get this win, they have to, comp- they have to go the rest of the way without a, without a loss. Yeah, you're right on that. Uh, I'll start with the improvement part. I do think that we've seen Tennessee improve. Uh, now, with with improvement, you want to see results. And mm-hmm. you started to get that with Mississippi State, and it's hard to expect the results when you're playing Alabama on the road or, or Georgia a few weeks ago. This is the kind of game Tennessee needs to show that the results can mean Tennessee can win football games. And uh, Tennessee's at home. It's an underdog in South Carolina. But I think the balls feel better about the way the line of scrimmage game has gone. Uh, the defensive line is better than it was just two or three weeks ago. Uh, three weeks ago, I would say, with the way that that Georgia game went when Tennessee's defensive line couldn't create a quarterback hurry. The offensive line has found some continuity, and and that's been such an issue the last few years. You're shuffling every single game. In the first game of the season, I couldn't believe that Tennessee was moving guys in and out and around the entire game. It was against Georgia State. They thought they could get away with it. They couldn't. Uh, Now they have a group that they're going to try to stick with. Jerome Carvin uh, has gotten more playing time at guard. Uh, but having the two freshmen at, tack- at the tackle spots and uh, Trey Smith there at left guard and then Brandon Kennedy starting to play better at center, I think they, they like what the offensive line is doing. It's not a great group, but it's better than it was a year ago. And then to this game, I think it's a must win. Uh, if Tennessee loses, it's not mathematically eliminated. It could go undefeated in November. Maybe that happens. But Tennessee has not won four straight football games since uh, its 11-game winning streak was snapped in 2011 by Texas A&M and trying to win four games against teams that are you know, at least quality opponents who are going to be plenty confident that they can beat Tennessee. The Missouri game on the road, I still think it's going to be really difficult. It's just a big ask for a team that would be 2-6 and six and not ha- and would not have experienced much success recently to then go win four straight. Could it happen? Yes, but I would not want to try that if I'm Tennessee. So, Josh, Josh Ward joining us here, WNML in Knoxville. I was going to ask you sort of about the matchups you, you fear in this game for Tennessee and then the matchups you're excited about. 
uh, one of which I, th- I would have assumed have, would have been the offensive line. Do you like enough of what you've seen from the offensive line that you think they can actually create some area and space for the quarterback to operate and for the running game to work against the South Carolina defensive line that is amongst the best in the SEC? Yeah, that, uh, the word you use there, enough. I don't think that Tennessee staff goes in with crazy expectations for what the offensive line can do. I think Tim Jordan running for 94 yards against Alabama this past week, that probably creates confidence in what they'll be able to do. Uh, within the passing game, pass protection has been pretty good. They're going to have to, whether it's Garantano or Shroud, get the ball out quickly. And uh, I would say put them in a position where you're trying to get the ball to Juwan Jennings. Uh, you're maybe taking some shots down the field, but you are not asking the quarterbacks to think too much out there on the field and not asking them to make too many big plays. The, the fear for Tennessee to me would be if the balls get down early and you're asking one of the two quarterbacks to bring you back with his arm. To me, that becomes a real concern. Uh, but Jeremy Brew was asked on ball calls this week about the offensive line, and I'm paraphrasing the question, but it was something about owning the line of scrimmage. And Jeremy made sure to say, we're not doing that quite yet. So there is a long way to go. But if you compare the offensive line to last year, where it was a disaster a lot of the time, it is much better than that. And Tennessee is at least playing with the physical mindset that Jeremy Pruitt has demanded from that group. Do you think uh, Garantano can get over what happened to him last week um, and, and, and go into this game, if indeed he is the starter, and play effective football? I think that he can. Uh, that question is, how does Garantano respond? How do his teammates respond to him if he's out there on the field considering the last play that he ran against Alabama? But just two weeks ago, we saw him against Mississippi State, where his confidence still had to be rattled having lost his job, uh, where he came in against Mississippi State, and Tennessee didn't ask him to do too much, and Tennessee had a lead in that game. But everything that, that Jarrett was asked to do, he did very well. He attempted seven passes in that game. He completed six of them. The one miss hit Juwan Jennings in the hands. It would have been kind of a tough catch, but it was a deep ball down the sideline. And he ran the offense. And that's what you would ask him to do in this game, in my opinion. And I think he's more than capable of that. They just they really need to eliminate mistakes, especially in this kind of game. To me, this is this is a game where the team that turns it over less, the team that takes better care of the football, uh, the, the team that tackles better, a, a lot of the, the simple things that we talk about, that's what's going to determine which team wins this football game. And uh, you know, both teams are probably going to ask their quarterbacks to be uh, careful in this game. And whichever quarterback does a better job of that wins. And if Tennessee, Tennessee still has trust in uh, Jared, and, and by the way, Jeremy Pruitt still saying his praises with how he played overall against Alabama, just pointed to the obvious mistakes. If that can get cleaned up, then yeah, Jared can help Tennessee win another football game. Josh, what does the stadium and the crowd look like? I've asked that question, I feel like, every week. And, and against Georgia, I, I expected a, a lesser showing. I thought Tennessee fans did a really admirable job showing up for that game. Um, sort of what's the pulse of the fan base? And, and, and in particular, how, how are they receiving or, or reacting to or analyzing the job that Jim Chaney has done? Yeah, the, the crowd question is a good one. I think it'll be pretty good. The bar's been lowered for what the crowd will be. It's not like we're talking about can Tennessee go sell it out. It's just can Tennessee get a, a solid crowd there. Uh, it, it wasn't great for Mississippi State. I think fans have actually kind of rallied the last couple of weeks with Jeremy Pruitt and uh, the, the fire that he's shown on the sideline. Again, bar's been lowered as the season's gone along. But I think it'll be pretty good. Uh, weather would be another question. If it's raining in the afternoon, that might cause the fans to say, I don't want to. I don't want to come, but you have it in the middle of the afternoon, so fans who are traveling will have a better chance to get there, and I think we're looking at maybe things clearing up by the middle of the afternoon when the game's happening, so Knoxville residents might be more likely to get there. We'll see. I, I just I keep expectations low at this point 
with what the crowd will be at Neyland Stadium. I think uh, fans looked at Jim Chaney's plan the last couple of weeks. They didn't like the maybe the conservative way that Tennessee did it against Mississippi State as the game went along, but Tennessee won. And Jeremy Pruitt said afterward, we can't do that every game. And I think fans said, okay, well, you got the win here. like the answer. This past week, I think they looked at the play to Juwan Jennings that should have been a touchdown that Jarrett missed the throw, uh, the way that Tennessee was able to run the ball with some success, and then look at the Quavaris Crouch play on, on the goal line and say, well, he would have scored a touchdown. Maybe he would have, maybe we wouldn't have, but fans have decided that, uh, that he would have, and that's fine. So I think that uh, I think right now fans feel a lot better about Jim Chaney than they did after game one. You know, it's kind of funny. Chaney said in the spring he'll go through his honeymoon period and then people will start questioning him. Well, the honeymoon ended in game one, but uh, the fans and, and Jim Chaney starting to starting to you know, get on social media and, and chat with each other a little bit and I think start to feel better about where things are. They just need to get the quarterback position figured out and a few other things as well. Uh, give me a prediction. Well, uh, I was put on the spot this past weekend, and I, I had to make a pick, and I said Tennessee, and I've stuck with that this week. Uh, they are going to have to do all those things I talked about. They can't turn the ball over. If South Carolina comes in and, and picks off a couple of passes early, if South Carolina gets up early, I'm going to be wrong. But uh, I said Tennessee this week, and I'll stick with that. Tennessee by a field goal against South Carolina. Now, quickly, um, the Vols men's basketball team. Um, obviously, we know what Coach Barnes has been able to do. Uh, with this team in the last couple of years. Um, but they've lost a lot of guys. Um, and some publications don't even have them ranked. Now they get a a, um, a commit from a, a five-star recruit. Uh, what What is the talk of this basketball team heading into the season, knowing that they are, in some publications, they're not even ranked? Yeah, basketball talk is a 180 from football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think expectations are too high. I think fans are going to see some of those rankings and, and know what Tennessee lost in terms mm-hmm. of personnel and say, okay, if Tennessee can get to the tournament, this is a good season because of what you also mentioned, recruiting. Big-time recruiting class for 2020. Tennessee has a couple of top 20 guys for the 2021 class on campus this weekend. Uh, Rick Barnes, uh, he really has the support of the fans right now, I think. And uh, uh, We'll see what they do on the court. They, they need Uros Plavsic to be eligible to, I think, feel good enough about what their post-play will be. But Josiah James coming in with Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden, they can still win games. Fans are really excited for Tennessee basketball. Josh, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy the weekend. We do appreciate it, bud. Sure thing. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. Jo- Josh Ward, WNML in Knoxville. We'll get to one of the most bizarre stats in all of college football and some more Tennessee volunteer talk when we come back in just a few minutes. Derek Mason, Braden Gall, this is Morning Drive on ESPN 102.5 The Game. You're listening to Morning Drive live from the Wholesale Link studio powered by RumbleOn.com. Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Munson producing. Uh, Nick Hale not with us today. Still alive. Uh, I want to remind you the MTSU Blue Raiders take on the FIU Panthers this Saturday at Floyd Stadium. Get to the game early and experience the Grove tailgate area. The, the Grove, you can't take that from Ole Miss. Middle, that's why I'm a modder. Come on, you guys can do better. Don't forget to also check out the Blue, the Blue Raider Beer Garden and Family Fun Zone. See, that's better. Kickoff for MTSU versus FIU is at 2.30 p.m. on 94.9 Game 2 and on 97.5 in Murfreesboro. Uh, the, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is one of the most remarkable stats in the history of the SEC. Tennessee is 0-7 against Will Muschamp. That, that, Why do you think? I just like think it's so one bizarre. Of the most remarkable because I think it's just you know how hard that is to do. Like a coach at two different schools, you can't beat this guy in seven tries. A coach that's not a coach that's been fired. A coach that's really not all that great. Who's a coach of a team that's but under five hundred right now? Been that great the last well, they won, meetings? Yeah, but they won against him. But two of those wins when they had nine wins. 
that was foos. That, I'm not that denying nine that. nine win. <sighs> but 0-7 against a singular coach seems awfully odd to me. So they need to exercise some demons this week. Yeah, I guess they, they need to. It's going to be tough, man. They they This game for them um, against South Carolina, and South Carolina's coming off a huge win two weeks ago um, versus Georgia. And played well-ish against yeah, Florida last exactly. week. exactly. And, you know, UT's at a point now where – you know, if they don't, if they don't get this win. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, what do you do? What, how do you, how do you get your fan? How do you get one? How do you get the team going? But then, how do you get the fans going? Because now, it's okay. You get you get a victory versus UAB. Good. Okay. All right. Then you got Kentucky, which is like by the way, UAB is not a, a terrible football exactly. Team. But then you get Kentucky and you get Missouri on the road. Then you get uh, you know Vandy. Even though you know we say well they Vandy they should win, but that's been a tough game for UT the last you know four or five outings. And and Vandy's won them. If Vandy plays the way they did against Missouri, they're not going to win. Totally different game. UT's not going to win. But but if they play the way they get against UNLV, then UT's going to beat them by like three points uh, because both teams. (laughs) Oh wow! (laughs) Yeah, no, but thirteen ten Tennessee over Vandy. But UT this. They allowed that that Georgia State game and the BYU game to get away from them, and their schedule is not soft enough to play makeup. Yeah, and they're gonna have to beat some teams they're not supposed to beat toward the end of the season. You know, I was thinking about this when Josh was talking about the schedule, and and we've seen this from Tennessee for years mm-hmm. that it just lightens up the second half of the year. I'm not saying that the Tennessee team, the football team, or the, the record would be any different. But I would like to see the schedule inverted for once. Like, why don't they play six or seven of like their easier opponents mm-hmm. to start the year? And I realize again, Florida's pretty much set in the schedule. Third Saturday in October, Alabama. I get it, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I just I just wonder what the program would look like if they ever allowed themselves, like Kentucky does, exactly. to sort of like slowly build every year, and then you get to your tough games in the middle of the year. Now Kentucky has failed a lot of those games in the second half of the season. So again, I have no idea if it but changes they the worked record. Them way, they worked themselves up to a bowl right. game at I, least. I'd like to see what it at least looks like at Tennessee. To, like let's put the Florida game like in November. Yeah. Like you know, I don't know. I know it's never going to happen. I just am curious what the what the records would look look like if the schedules were inverted and all the tough games were later. Mm-hmm. Like Alabama's schedule, right? Alabama's schedules almost all their tough games are. You know, Maybe from now season. on, yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. Just, just, a, just a thought. Speaking of uh, the rest of the SEC, um, huge game. Now, two, two other things I would like to to get your thoughts on. I cannot. I think Alabama for the first time in a while is must see TV this week because I want to see what Mac Jones looks like at quarterback. I, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think they destroy Arkansas. In fact, I think I heard Darren and Willie discussing could the Alabama Crimson Tide beat Arkansas with Willie Donick at quarterback. <laughs> Probably, I think it's a. I think it's a completely meaningless conversation. But <laughs> weird, weird they Willie, he's a two. You guys know he's a two scholar, two sport athlete in the mm-hmm. SEC. Forty eight years old. He's a lefty. You know, Tua lefty. But you gotta, the offense doesn't change a know, whole lot when you insert you Willie. Gotta, I love Weird <laughs> Willie, but you got to understand the era that w- Weird oh, Willie grew up oh, in. Oh, Weird yeah. Willie, <laughs> he's not going to be a two scholarship athlete in this era. 
He's still in decent shape. I'm saying if look, he was if he was little weird Willie now, <laughs> like he was then, sure. he'd just get a scholarship in one of the sports, I, baseball or basketball, whichever one. All I know is I can hand the ball off to Najee Harris and Brian Robinson 65 times. You have to throw all screen um, plays to the give wide me some swing, Give me some swing passes and, quick and, get, screen and give me some bubble screens to Jerry Judy, and I could beat Arkansas. I yeah. think I could go out there and beat Arkansas. So you think Weird Willie can get the ball to Judy yes. and Ruggs yeah. and those guys? I think I think you could. Yeah. I think you could run the Wildcat and and hand it off every time on the zone read. I don't. Oh, I don't. Man. I think they could be about Arkansas. that gives me a headache, man. <laughs> <laughs> just playing, just playing give, a football yes, game again. <laughs> gives me a headache. No, man, no. Man, that happened quickly. The, yeah, the, the PTSD that, kicked in. That quickly. escalated. <laughs> um, but I think it is. I think it is worthy of note. Again, the outcome of the game is not important. But how does mm-hmm. Mac Jones look as a prepared starter? Right, he's taking snaps with the ones. He's being he's being prepped as the starter. For the first time in his career at Alabama, what does it look like? As for, for, what does the offense look like? Because again, until I see it, I'm not going to believe that Tua is going to play against LSU. I, he may. I'm not. I have no sources. I'm not like breaking news here. I'm, I'm just saying I'm not going to believe it until I see it when Tua walks out on that field against LSU. And if he does, he's not 100. percent What does Mac Jones look like as a prepared number one starter? I think Matt Matt Jones. Um, he looks. Good. Not great, but good. Um, they get the win. He's efficient in what they're doing. Um, you know, he has a bunch of playmakers. They're going to be wide open. Just get the ball to him. Here's the deal. If I'm Nick Saban and you got three, basically three weeks to get to a healthy, to me, if two was not 100% or in that 90 to 95 range to 100 to me, he has to be 95 to 100. If he's not that, I'm not playing him versus LSU. Because my thought is, if I play him versus LSU at 85, 90%, we lose that game. Somehow, some way, he gets injured again. Yeah, we are completely done yeah, now. Over. We're it's done. Yeah. If I don't play him and we lose, <laughs> we keep it close, but we lose, then I'm sitting back. And I'm saying the only thing we got to do is just win the remainder of our games, and we're getting in. Well, but Nick has said he's going to play the players who give him the best chance to win the game, Derek. I know that. Win the game. I know. I think Nick has said that. He, he, he was asked. He I was think he's at, it up. I don't think we have the audio, but he was asked about playing, uh, is it Talia, right, to his little brother Talia Tungavaloa? They were going to play him, mm-hmm. and, they, and somebody asked, had the audacity to ask him in the post, <laughs> the press conference. Hey, How dare you? Hey, is there a chance to get him some reps to get him maybe more prepared to to play? Oh, you, we do have this. Oh, th- this <laughs> get a tour on the field. Get, let, just can you get a tongue of Iloa on the field somehow? <laughs> exactly. Um, and this, this was uh, this was grumpy Saban. You know, we're 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 focused on winning the game. All right, so we're we're going to try to win the game, and we're going to play the best players that we can play to win the game. And we're not assuming that it's going to be an easy game. Oh. I, and we're not assuming that we'll have opportunity just to play anybody that wants to play, hmm. to expedite anything hmm. except winning the game. So we're going to play everybody who can expedite winning the game. That's what, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so I don't think anybody should expect us to do anything else. Why does he get so mad and about everything? Actually, and then you can't see it, but he walked off after he said something. Like, 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 so, man, so man. mad. Like if if I had said, "Hey, Slade Bolden, are you going to play Slade Bolden? Is he going to get angry at me?" Like Nick is just, he's just like, so why? Grumpy. But you know what? 
I get his I get his point, but why does he have to make it? Why does he have to be so angry about it? Because he's, as we know, he's not talking to the reporter. He's talking to his guys. I'm going to play whoever gives us the best shot of win, well, guys. What do you think? No, the, the message was this: we are not going to assume this is an easy game. That, exactly. That's what the reporter was yeah. assuming when he asked that question. I think the also because the they're message a thirty is, point favorite. Yeah, the message to his players is: we have confidence in Mac Jones to that's win, also true. to also not put Talia in this game. So don't expect to see Talia because Mac Jones is going to be our quarterback. Give for me four a tongue quarters. of a But, but Mac Jones is a guy you recruit on purpose, who's not a big time recruit to be a backup. The other tongue of The other one might be a guy that could start for you. So there is a fair question Mac about Jones. like we know this guy's not going to be your starter long term. He's a he's a stopgap right now. Do you want to get your other guy prepared for next year if Tua leaves? I don't, you know that. Listen, it's not a Nick's not going to give you an answer on that. I understand. He, he, he I, he, yeah, he's not going to say, "Oh well, we, we're going to blow out Arkansas, so we're going to play everybody." Like that's not what he's going to say. Um, also, real quickly, Auburn and LSU this weekend. That's the uh, two thirty start time. He, Why here, is that the two thirty game because it's the CBS two thirty game, baby. That should be a night game. Well, here's what I love about this weekend. At midnight. Here's what <laughs> I love about this this weekend: uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State. At eleven, mm-hmm. Auburn LSU at two thirty, and you got uh, Michigan Notre Dame at mm-hmm. seven. So I like it when it's all spaced out like that. I, I enjoy that. Should have been Michigan State, Penn State. Here, here's later. all I got to say. We'll get a little bit more into um, Auburn and LSU in just a minute. But but Bo Nix has had tons of opportunity to play in front of tough crowds. Right? He's played at College Station. He's played in the swamp. He's played against Oregon on on the biggest stage in Week One. I don't think he's going to be phased. I don't think they can score enough points with LSU. L- listen, Auburn put up like four and a half yards per play against Florida. LSU put up 10 yards per play against Florida. Florida's pretty good on defense. And, yeah. L- and LSU was two and a half times better against Florida than Auburn was. I don't really know if there's another stat you need. Joe Burrows. There's no way that, that Auburn wins this game, right? Joe for Heisman. I mean, he's one of the top three candidates right now. Bo Nix is going to have to play perfect. And he, and he did for the most part Bo in that Nicks Florida game play. besides that interception. No, he was Bo terrible in the Florida game. Like I know, Bo but Jackson. besides the interception, he kept him, his team in the game. I, I, that, true, but that's the defense kept him in the game. He kept playing like Bo Derek, Jackson, Bo Kimball. Derek Brown kept him in the game. What's another Bo? Bo Derek? Kimbo Slice, is that Yeah, count? Kimbo Slice. <laughs> <laughs> is he still around, by the way? Uh, he's Did he pass away? away? That's yes, what he passed away. away? Oh, yeah, not, a couple of years ago. Sad. Man, so Sorry he's going to have to play... Bo Diddley. Bo Jack Horseman. Uh, dude, Bo Jack Horseman, one of the most underrated TV shows of all time. Who's the, What's the name of the dog? Tom, what's the name of the dog? I can't remember. The name of the dog in that, that TV show, he is one of the best characters in television history. I've got to remember that guy's name. I'll do that during the break. When we come back, an hour of Titans. We are going to get into Tannehill. What adjustments does the, do the Titans have to make in week number two? of the Tannehill chapter and an entire hour. Teron Davenport going to join us. We'll do all of that in the 7 o'clock when we come back right here on Morning Drive.